Take your Bibles, please, and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul is writing to young Timothy, a gifted individual who has taken the assignment of pastoring the church at Ephesus. In 1 Timothy, Paul talks to his young protege about leadership, worship, and theology. Three to five years later, he writes a second epistle to Timothy. Things aren't getting any better in the ministry. And Timothy, as a young pastor, continues to develop the church of God and help them to grow into Christ-like disciples. But Paul tells Timothy, guard the trust. Guard that which has been committed to you and make sure that you continue to live out the relationship you have with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Be a good soldier, Timothy. Don't get trapped up in all of the stuff around you because a good soldier is one who focuses on the mission, the assignment the recognition that there is something bigger than you are and you're part of fulfilling that. And then he says, Timothy, godless days are going to come. <laughs> Ministry's not going to get any easier. In fact, if we fast forward to the book of Revelation, the first church that's mentioned in Revelation chapter 2 is the church at Ephesus. A church where Timothy pastored and Jesus Christ, who's walking amongst the candlesticks, says to the church at Ephesus, you lost your first love. And this is perhaps only 30 years later after Timothy's ministry there in Ephesus. You lost your first love. We are studying the subject, what do you look for in a healthy church? How do you help a, a church continue to focus on the assignment that God has given to them? How do you help a church keep its first love? How do you help a church live out the truth before a lost and dying world? And Dave, you're absolutely right. People who are hurting today need John 3.16 that God still loves them and he gave his son for them. It all begins with Biblical preaching. And understanding where that truth comes from. And here in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul helps Tim, uh, Timothy have a, a laser-like focus on what a healthy church is all about. Are you there? Look with me at the scripture. 1 Timothy 4 verse 1. 2 Timothy 4 verse 1. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge, to judge the living and the dead by his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into mists. Timothy, the time is coming when, 
when this world is not going to understand any foundation for its lives, when they'll live just the way they want to live. Wanting to hear what they want to hear, doing what they want to do, arrogant before a sovereign, holy God. But Timothy, that does not reduce your responsibility. Preach the word. There's a song that uh, we sing many times around here. It's entitled Ancient Words. Long preserved for our walk in this world. Can we sing that this morning? Maestro. because that's where we understand truth. The reason that we preach the word is because the word of God is truth. Now Paul reminds Timothy that the word of God is not only truth for preaching, it's also truth for living because he says, be consistent, Timothy. If you have a King James, it says, be instant in season, out of season. You see, the Word of God, the Bible, is the objective truth in a sea of relativity. 
Think about that. Everything is relative today. How do I want to respond? What do I want to do? You believe what you want to believe, I'll believe what I want to believe, and we'll just live happily ever after. But the Bible is objective truth in a sea of relativity. And if that's true, if we're going to preach the Lord, we must live the truth. Amen? If it doesn't affect your life, if it doesn't affect my life, what good is it? And if God said it, that ought to settle it, whether or not we're comfortable with it. If God said it, that ought to settle it, whether or not we're comfortable with it. You see, it's all about the Word of God because of what it is. It is truth. But it's also all about the Word of God because of what it does in our lives. And we need to understand that the Bible is given to us to accomplish something in our lives. There's a verse verse in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, and I have it up here on the screen. I want you to look at it, will you please? This is what the Word of God does in our lives. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, and discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, if we can back up one slide, please, Chris. I think it's important for us to understand that it is the Word of God. And it is God's Word that makes a difference in our life. It's living. It's active. It's not static. Because it continues to develop Christ's likeness. And we talk about being challenged and changed and conformed to the character of Jesus Christ. And that is for every one of us. And that's what the Word of God does for us. It's powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. And what does it do? It pierces even to the dividing asunder. Soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Sometimes we wonder, you know, what does that mean? Soul and spirit has the idea of working spiritually in our bodies because we are soul, spirit, and physical beings. Joints and marrow has the idea of it working physically in our bodies because that's what operates in this world. And what does it do? It discerns. It helps us understand, recognize what God wants for us. And it discerns our thoughts and intentions in the deepest part of our being, our hearts. I am so thankful that man looks on the outside and does not look on the heart like God does. Because my heart is deceitful and desperately wicked, just like yours. But it's the Word of God that discerns that and helps me to understand what I need to do. Now, as we talk about what the Word of God does, 
I think it's important for us to know that God has given to us us his word to transform us, not to leave us the way we are. We talk about truth, it is truth, but the the key to what God wants to do in our lives is to transform us, and we call that sanctification. Now, sanctification is God setting us apart and helping us understand that we are to be unto him, we are to live unto him and not unto ourselves. Hagiosmos, there you go. A little Greek. And it means set apart. And it's what God is doing as he helps us recognize our need to grow. Separation from sin and unto God. Now there are three aspects of sanctification. There's positional sanctification. There's permanent sanctification, and there's what we call progressive sanctification. Now, now let me help you understand what these are, all right? And then we're going to go back and we're going to look at them here in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Positional sanctification is our salvation. We are in Christ Jesus. We are born again in the family of God. God has led us from darkness to light. And we now have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful to be saved this morning? We're going to talk about that in just a minute. Permanent sanctification is our glorification. One day we shall be like him so we shall see him as he is. Amen. I'm looking forward to that. And as you've heard me say, I sure hope I go by the upper taker, not the undertaker. But it's our glorification. Now, progressive sanctification is the time span between the two. And it's our transformation where we put off the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And we put on the new man which is created in God unto true righteousness. And that's a process. Because until that process is complete, we will not be glorified. And only when we are glorified will that process be complete. So we want to we look at that this morning, all right? We want to look at positional sanctification, permanent sanctification, and progressive sanctification. And we're going to talk about our, our salvation. We're going to talk about our security. And we're going to talk about the saturation that God wants to do as he works the word in our So let's get with it, right? Preach the word, Timothy. Be consistent when you preach the word because preaching and practice ought to go together. Belief and behavior should be one. And the reason that's true is because of what God has done in our lives as he saved us. Are you still in 2 Timothy? Jump up to verse 14 of chapter 3, will you please? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. Paul writing to to Timothy says, But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood 
You've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The first thing that needs to take place in a person's life is they need to receive Jesus Christ as personal Savior. And I say that's the first thing because before that they're dead in their trespasses and sins. We were all dead in our trespasses and sins. And the first life that takes place spiritually is when we trust Christ as personal Savior. Amen? And that's not only life, that's new life. That's abundant life. That's the greatest life that we could ever have. Say, how do we do that? Well, it comes from the Scriptures. Romans chapter 10 says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What do we need to hear? We need to hear that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. Now, that's not because we're real, real bad people. It is because none of us are good enough people to be holy before God. And it really doesn't matter how good or bad you are because you're not good enough and you're not too bad. Because all have sinned and do not make, meet God's standard. And why is that important to know? Because the wages of sin is death. <laughs> you remember back in Genesis chapter 3? Remember the lie that was told to Eve? God didn't really mean that you're going to die if you eat of that tree. Yeah, no, you will. Because you will violate God's standard and you won't be good enough to get into heaven. The wages of sin is death. But, but, aren't you thankful for buts? That didn't come out real well. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Wages, something we earn. Gifts, something God provides for us that we couldn't get on our own. So how do you get the gift? Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. That's it. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as personal Savior, and I do not take it for granted that everyone in here is a child of God. But if you have never trusted Jesus Christ as personal Savior, your first step is to be born again into the family of God, to receive Jesus Christ as personal Savior. And if you don't understand that, please, please, please see me following this service so I can open up the, the, the truth to you, the scriptures to you, the word of God to you. And you can understand how to become a child of God. And once you've been born again, you can never be unborned. Jesus said, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all. No man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Amen? What transforms our life is salvation. What moves us from light to darkness is salvation. What brings us into the family of God is salvation. What makes us free from condemnation is salvation. What takes us from the family of the father of lies to the 
family of father of life is salvation. And it ought to make a difference in our lives. And the reason it ought to make a difference is because now God's love and God's truth can, by His Spirit, saturate our lives. This is what we call progressive sanctification. It saturates our lives and helps us to grow. And how does that happen? Are you still in 2 Timothy? Verse 4, chapter 4, verse 2. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. Timothy, this is your job. Now, those words may seem very similar, but they have distinct meanings. Reprove. Timothy, you need to help people understand what's not right. Uh, You'll remember just a few verses earlier at the end of chapter 3, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof. Timothy, you need to understand what's not right and you need to help people understand what's not right. Preach the Word. My responsibility to you is to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. My responsibility to you is to equip you for every good work, to teach you what's not right, so that you might be effective in your Christian lives. Keep your finger here in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and turn over to Ephesians chapter 4, will you please? Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 11, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he also gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherds and teachers. That's me. To equip the saints, verse 12, for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that... We may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in every way into him who is the head unto Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which is is equipped When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Timothy, preach the word, but make sure you tell people what's not right. Reprove. Timothy, preach the word, but make sure you tell people why it's not right. That's what rebuke is. 
It's not only what's not right, but it's why it's not right. You ever try to help your kids understand why they shouldn't do what they're doing? That's a tough assignment, you know? It really is. But the Word of God helps us understand not only what's not right, but why it's not right. I'm I'm thankful that God gives us that instruction and uses His Spirit to help us recognize when we need to change courses in our lives because this ain't right. I don't want you to think that there's some kind of biblical whiffle dust that you will sprinkle over yourself and all of a sudden, it's all right. Because transformation is a process that's tough. But it's part of the sanctification process in our This morning, I challenged you concerning the application questions on the back of the notes. You want a challenge? Try to put this into practice in your life this week. I know you're already doing devos. You already got a lot going. You already have your routine. Try it. It'll be tough. But try it. Because not only do we need to reprove and rebuke, we also need to exhort one another, encourage one another, help one another, challenge one another, share with one another, put our arms around one another, pray for one another. That's all included in this exhort stuff. And I need to be exhorted. And the reason I need to be exhorted is because I don't want to do anything that would disappoint my God. So good to have my Connie home. She was gone 17 days, but who's counting? I'm so glad she's home. Yesterday, I worked hard. I mowed the grass. Connie usually does that. I swept the lawn because my Connie doesn't want any of those grass clippings left around. I don't know why. It's just good fertilizer, but she didn't do it, okay? I made sure all the laundry was caught up. I got out the vacuum. Not only for the carpet. Surely you didn't have to punch him. But also for the tiled floor in the kitchen. I washed the sheets on the bed. And I would have had the bed made, but she came home too quick. And when I took them out of the dryer the first time, they weren't quite dry, so I threw them back in. but I made the bed without your help. Amen? Now, I did that for a couple of reasons. 
And I, I was thinking about this yesterday. When you're on the lawnmower, you've got a lot of th- time to think, right? And I asked myself, why do I do that? Well, one, I love my wife. But as much as that, I didn't want her to come home disappointed that she had some work to do now. And as I put that into a spiritual context, I love my Lord. But I don't want to go to glory and have him disappointed. Because I wasn't a faithful steward. And sometimes we just need each other. I put my arms around a a guy today and we prayed together because we need each other. I shared with another guy this past week because we need each other. And that's what this exhortation's all about recognizing that the Word of God should just saturate our lives. From the top of our heads to the toes of our feet, we need to live out the Word of God. Because that's what the Word does. But the Word of God is also permanent and gives to us security. Amen? And it gives us security for now. When you get home, read Ephesians chapter 6 and focus on the armament that God has given to us to fight against the wiles of the devil. He's out there. He's out there. And bracketed in that armor is the belt of truth and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Starts with the belt of truth and ends with the sword of the Spirit. And right now, we have security that we can overcome all of the challenges of this life and this culture. Remember what Jesus said? In the world you're going to have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Remember what John reminds us of in 1 John. Greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. Amen. Remember we talked about for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two. Remember that? Right now we are secure in our relationship with Jesus Christ. The belt of truth for now. And for eternity. Amen. I quoted John chapter 10 earlier. And it says this. I give unto them eternal life and they'll never perish. Aren't you thankful for the word never? And God has given to us. Eternal life. And in our permanent sanctification One day we will leave this earth and we will be like him because we'll be with him. Glory! 
And so we preach the word because it's truth. We preach the word because it transforms us. Challenge, change, conform to the character of Christ. But Paul said to Timothy, times are coming. Time will come when. (laughs) And we're going to talk about that next week. What do you look for in a healthy church? You look for biblical preaching. The ancient words that work in our lives.